Thank you for listening to this new episode of the podcast, By the Still Water. It is our intention that these messages be an encouragement in your search for the God of heaven. Thank you for listening. The passengers boarded the ship with a great deal of excitement and anticipation. The massive ship dwarfed the people and vehicles that approached it. Its sides looked like giant steel walls rising out of the water of the harbor. For the passengers, the voyage was going to be an adventure of a lifetime. The ship was luxurious and state-of-the-art. Everyone said it was going to be fun, exciting, and most of all, safe. However, the ship would not reach its destination. Only a short time after boarding, passengers and crew would flee the ship in a panic, and some would not escape with their lives. Hearing this description, it would be easy to assume the story was about the ocean liner named Titanic and the disaster that occurred in 1912. The Titanic was built with the very best technology of its day, both in safety and speed. The perception was that the ship was almost unsinkable, and that led to some to discount the call to abandon ship. Those that waited did not survive. But the shipwreck under consideration that was described earlier happened a hundred years after Titanic. In 2012, just off the coast of Italy, the Costa Concordia, a cruise ship twice the size of Titanic, left its Italian port carrying more passengers and more crew than Titanic. But on January 13th, just after leaving the harbor, the massive ship went off course, hit a rock, and began to lean over and sink. Thankfully, the ship came to rest a short distance from an island, and many passengers swam the short distance to safety. But not everyone. Some passengers and crew did not believe, at least at first, that the ship was sinking. Even in the warm Mediterranean waters, 35 people lost their lives. Considering the size and sophistication of the ship, it is not hard to understand how someone might doubt the idea that such a huge ship could sink. The same could be said for those that refused to leave Titanic. But as we look back in hindsight, they had put their confidence in an object, and that failed them. We have been looking at the mountain sermon of Jesus. As we continue looking at this pivotal lesson, we have come to the section that talks about what we trust. Jesus says, Do not save treasures for yourself here on earth. Moths and rust will destroy them, and thieves can break into your house and steal them. Instead, save your treasures in heaven, where they cannot be destroyed by moths or rust, and where thieves cannot break in and steal. Your heart will be where your treasure is. In the ancient world, wealth was measured in three basic commodities, clothes, food, and gold. We have a hard time wrapping our brain around the idea that clothing would be a measure of great wealth. Until you remember how much manual labor it took to make cloth, then to make a set of clothes. Many people only had one set of clothes at any one time. So you can imagine how someone that owned many changes of clothes would be seen as very wealthy. But a small harmless bug, a moth, can lay eggs on the fabric and the larva will eat holes in the clothing and ruin the outfit. And not just one, 
but they will ruin every piece that is stored in the same place. Grain can be stored for a long time. Such resources could be very practical, protecting people from hunger. But if the grain that was stored got wet, then there is a problem. When grain gets wet, it can grow mold, something that is very toxic, and it ruins the grain for consumption. This fungus has been known in history as rust. In fact, the corrosion that happens to iron or steel that we think of as rust might have gotten its name from the fungus. Gold might not be eaten by bugs or spoiled by mold, but it can be stolen. So let's compare these things to our world. How many ways can you think of that wealth is measured? Is it the stock market? Well, it can crash. Between 1928 and 1931, the stock market lost almost 90% of its value and would not completely recover until 20 years later, long after many lives were ruined. Real estate, the so-called safe haven, its value collapsed in 2008. Did you consider toilet paper? Recent events caused people to search all over town for toilet paper and hoard it. Well, kind of like gold. And of course, no matter what it is, thieves can break in and steal. Back in the 1990s, many people invested in a company called Enron. It was considered one of the best investments for more than 10 years. But in 2001, it was revealed that their success had all been a lie. The people that invested in Enron lost more than $11 billion, all of it from fraud. But Jesus is not offering advice regarding where and how to store your money. Everything he has been saying in the Mountain Sermon has been to describe the heart of a kingdom citizen. In fact, he is not telling them anything that they do not already know. Like the connecting elements between Titanic and the Costa Concordia, Jesus tells us to look around and see that what many people consider wealth, safety, and prosperity is fleeting. He pleads with us to look around and ask if accumulating money or things is what brings us happiness or security. Jesus offers an alternative, being connected in heaven. So this is not about where the treasure is, but what the treasure is. Think of it this way. Often we hear the word treasure and we think of a pirate chest full of gold coins. But instead, ask this question. What do you treasure? Jesus brings this to the forefront when he says, your heart will be where your treasure is. He expands this idea further by saying, our eye is influenced by what we treasure. One of the longest running programs on public television is the show Antiques Roadshow. People line up for hours to bring the appraisers a family heirloom that they think is valuable or Maybe something they bought at a garage sale they think is worth a lot of money. Most of the time, the response from the appraisers is, well, it's nice, but... But every once in a while, there is a different reaction. A statue that had been used for years as a doorstop was revealed to be a Chinese royal treasure. Or a painting that had been hung behind a door was revealed to be a lost work by one of the most prominent artists from Mexico. 
But the other side of the story is about the appraisers themselves. These men and women have devoted their lives to learning and appreciating their subject matter. Some specialize in Tiffany glass, while others specialize in sports memorabilia, while others are focused on furniture. They have read, studied, become passionate, and talk about their areas of interest for years before someone might walk up to the appraiser's table with a -a one-of-a-kind treasure. But all of that time thinking about and studying the topic meant that they recognized how special something was. To some, it looks like junk, but to the people devoted to the subject, it is more valuable than gold. When he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Jesus is not asking that we store bags of gold in a bank vault called heaven. What he says is that how we see things is critical, and he is demanding that we become passionate about the things of heaven, the things of God, the hope and love they represent, and invest our time and our heart in the subject. He is demanding that we see value in the wisdom of God. When others have dismissed it and passed it by, we must learn to recognize and treasure the God and the hope of heaven. Consider the sport of cricket. It is one of the most popular sports in the world. But for those that don't know the rules, the goals, or the skills necessary to play cricket, it just seems confusing. But if someone takes the time to learn about cricket, they will begin to see the action, the players, the drama of the game in a whole different light. They see the game differently. The statement Jesus makes about the eye reflects this reality. What you treasure is what you pay attention to, learn about, talk about, spend time thinking about. Jesus is saying, while in the past you knew nothing about the God of heaven, it is time to learn and appreciate something new and wonderful. It is something that is more valuable than any earthly treasure. But there is another issue as well. People can be consumed by worry. In the days of Jesus, famine and starvation were not uncommon. The people listening to him that day may have seen or even experienced hunger, or become a refugee from war. But consider how these two ideas, the focus on wealth and the worry about poverty, are two sides of the same coin, because they are still focused on material things. One is focused on acquiring things, while the other is thinking about how not to lose what you have. Both ideas can consume someone. But what do we do about this worry? Jesus says, look around. Whether it is the birds that eat freely or the beautiful flowers that only survive for a short time, our obsession will not make the situation better or make the challenges any less. Instead of worrying about everything that might go wrong, he says, it is time to put first things first. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Think back one more time to the sinking ship. At the moment the alarm sounded and the order was given to evacuate, the passengers had to make a choice about what to put first. 
the baggage in their cabins or their lives. Maybe they thought of their valuables. Maybe they were concerned that they were not dressed to go for a swim. But in that moment, they chose to push all of that behind them and focus on leaving the ship, holding on to the life preserver or the lifeboat. All the rest could be sorted out later. Jesus says, now is the time to find and hold on to the hope of God. The values and goals of the ungodly will not make you happy, will not last, and will not bring you peace. They will weigh you down, take your eye away from the safety and forgiveness found in the message of hope, that good news of God. Many pictures of the Costa Concordia, wrecked and lying on its side, also show the island that was only a few yards away, yet still 35 people lost their lives. Some that died could not let go of the perceived safety of the ship. They were wrong. Safety was closer than they thought. But it took the courage to think in a different way and to make a different choice. Think of it this way. The water is rising. Thank you for listening to this episode of By the Still Water. It is our desire that these messages reflect the true Word of God. If you would like to reach us, you can reach us by email at bythestillwater2024 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at By the Stillwater Podcast. Please consider subscribing. This will alert you to new episodes when they are made available. Again, thank you for listening.